David uh, Cartwright and his wife Amy have uh, been in Costa Rica for quite some time and ministered there for many years. We've been able to support them uh, through the years with our monthly uh, giving. And everything that we do as far as our missions pledges and missions giving, we, we disseminate it out to about 37 different missions entities. And uh, David and Amy Cartwright are, are two of them. Uh, uh, their family, her, they have two daughters that are actually grown in, in college now, which is hard to believe. They've just... Uh, grown up before our eyes, really, when you think about it. I just remember them being little girls, and now they're uh, all grown up and, and uh, in college now and going to uh, Southeastern, is that right, down in Lakeland? So uh, I know you're proud of them, but they've been a great uh, help to you. And uh, they're doing a great work in Costa Rica, and you're maybe hearing some stuff about that today. I don't know what the Lord has laid on David's heart to share, but we're so thankful to have him. Uh, he's itinerating, which is kind of fun, but not so much fun. It depends on who you talk to and what time of the day, but I know that he wants to be down in Costa Rica back to where God has called him. But we're so thankful <clears throat> to have him here with us today. We had a great time at the Missions Banquet last night with Teen Challenge and Maddie Riley. Did you guys have a good time last night? Those that were here, did you enjoy that? Yeah, amen. So then this morning we're going to receive some more uh, ministry from Brother David. And I hope that as you encourage us, you'll be encouraged. And uh, just take your liberties and take your time and share with, with uh, us what the Lord has laid on your heart. Would you welcome uh, this morning to the pulpit, David Carmine. Thank you, Pastor Brian. It is such an honor to be here with you guys. I had a great time with you last night. Uh, we do... Uh, put the picture of our family up there you guys have been supporting us since the very beginning i think we came in 2011 um i don't know if you got the picture now and we we came to the the missions banquet 12 years ago and i don't know you guys might have remembered a little girl that was selling like potholders <laughs> to raise money for bgmc that was my daughter she was six or seven at that time and now she's a uh, sophomore in college. So uh, they've grown up on us. We've lost half of our team. We'll be going back as empty nesters. So my wife says, you know, they used to be really cute. They used to, you know, help us raise money because, you know, you want to support these little cute kids. And, and now they're just expensive. <laughs> That's all they are now. Yeah. So, but... Uh, Amy sends her, her love and greetings to you guys, uh, and we're just, we're very grateful to be a part of Faith Assembly, and, you know, Amy grew up in Lake Wiley, that's, she's, she's, uh, this is her home, um, and so we are so grateful that uh, her people, uh, that you guys have been with us this whole time, and uh, as I was sitting there this morning, the the Lord really impressed something on me. You know, we, I come here and wanting to share what God has been doing in Costa Rica, but this morning really impressed on me that this morning isn't so much about me. It's about you. It's what he's wanting to speak into your life, what he's wanting to spur on and encourage in you in missions and in this community. What his calling is, what his purpose is in your life individually. I remember still today, 40 years ago, sitting in a mission service and I was called to missions. This morning, 
He wants to speak to you individually. And He wants to ask something of you. This week, every year, when Pastor shares about the vision for what you guys want to do in missions and ministries in your own community and this this request for a commitment of support and it always makes us uncomfortable and why does it make us uncomfortable because the lord wants to do something greater through us than we can conceive something greater than we can possibly imagine that God can possibly do through us, through our own actions, through our own words, and through the resources that, and the talents that he pours into and through our lives. And so I, I want you to, to be listening today with a personal ear, like, Lord, not what did David do in Costa Rica the last six years, but what, what did I do? What was my part? And what is it that you're asking me to do going forward? Because it's not about us. It took me a while in Costa Rica to realize that I didn't go to Costa Rica because of something that I could accomplish. I went to be available to be a part of what the Lord wanted to accomplish. And what we have been able to be a part of really is you. We're just an extension of what you guys make possible. Um, I can't do anything without you. I can't even be there. And so this morning I want to say thank you for the last 12 years. But I, I want to, as you listen this morning, I want you to look forward in your own life and say, that was great. But the Lord has something in front of me. He's asking me of something of me. Whether that's, am I supposed to go to the mission field? That was inconceivable to me as a 12-year-old. I was sitting there, I, when I, I felt that prompting, I said, Lord, don't ask that of me. He said, I already have. It took me decades to be full-time in the mission field. But I knew at that moment that that's where he wanted me. What is that? What is he asking you this morning? What is he prompting you and making you uncomfortable with this morning? What is it that you're supposed to be doing in this community that you haven't been a part of yet? I don't know. But I, I, I want to introduce you this morning as, as we, we talk. I'm going to introduce you to some of the students in our Bible school. And that's part of our story. Like the last time we were here six years ago, we were talking about working with indigenous people groups, and I'll define indigenous, apparently some people. It just means the people groups that were there before Columbus arrived. The original people. Pastor Wayne, he didn't know what indigenous meant, I guess. But and my wife told me not to use that word. I don't know, that's just the word, that, that's the actual word, right? Indigenous people, the original people groups. And that's what we did. We went, we were working, you guys helped us get into five new, uh, communities. There are eight original people groups in Costa Rica. They all have their own languages, their own distinct cultures. And we were able to get connected and 
uh, work in four of those. We got to the point in one of the communities, it was a, a, a community of Nobi, um, uh, Nobi Indians, for lack of a better term, the indigenous group. And we were working with the, the one pastor in the community who's been pastoring for over 30 years. And he wanted to plant and build a church way up in the remote mountains. And uh, we had a group come in and helped us build the church. And we got to where we were wanting to launch the church. And we realized that this pastor, he's 65 years old. He's got diabetes. They don't have good medical care in the indigenous areas. So he's got neuropathy in his feet. He's got cataracts on both eyes. He's legally blind. He wasn't going to be physically able to walk up the mountain anymore as he had for decades to work with these uh, groups further in. And so we began to look for a leader to plant this church with. And there weren't any. And so we realized that what David was able to do was not enough. What I and my family were able to do, no matter how determined, no matter how dedicated we were, we weren't the ones that were going to be able to make the change. We were going to have to raise up leaders in Costa Rica. In indigenous communities is specifically where we started. And we realized that there wasn't a, a, a Bible school, um, uh, the, the Costa Rican Bible school system was not going to be able to help us train these pastors in these remote areas. We realized that we were going to have to start a school that where we could actually bring uh, individuals from all these different uh, remote areas to a main campus and have a full-time Bible school. And we began to look at Costa Rica as a whole and we realized that uh, the, the full-time Bible school had closed in the early 90s, 30 years ago. And it uh, had went to just a night and weekend school, you know, correspondence, um, which which worked, it's been training pastors, but not enough. We looked at Costa Rica and we realized that 85% of the pastors were now over the age of 55. And there was nobody behind them. Because for 30 years, I don't know about your kids, but you know, my daughters, if they looked at something that was going to take them 15 years to graduate from school, which is what the night and weekend takes to graduate Bible school, 10 to 15 years, they would have said no thank you and gone to a secular career. And that's exactly what 30 years of Costa Rican youth, the next generation, have done. And so Costa Rica is in a crisis. It's not dissimilar to South Carolina. South Carolina, seems to God, is in the same situation because we hadn't focused on raising up our own youth to go into ministry. And now they're, they're in the same process of figuring out how do we train up the next generation so that we can plant churches and reach into communities that are unreached, that don't have a representation of who Jesus is. And so we went down this path of how do we raise up leaders and we ended up 
opening a full-time residential Bible school. I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I, I didn't go. I didn't. I haven't. I don't have training and uh, secondary or secondary college education. And but that wasn't important to God because He has it under control. And so we started our Bible school in January of 2020. In March, the world shuts down. We had to send our students home. God knew what was going to happen before the rest of us did. You guys, our supporters, helped us to uh, buy iPads for the students that didn't have computers at the beginning of school. And so all of them were able to take those home. And we were able to switch to being virtual. And in December of 20, 2021, we graduated 14 students, the youngest graduating class in Costa Rica in over 30 years. That's what you guys did. Because through COVID and the mess, you guys continued to be generous. Your church cut corners everywhere else but missions, and you guys kept us there, and you poured resources into the ministry, and we were able to financially sustain that school. You did that. I want to say thank you for being part of Something that you guys had no idea that that was happening, and I had no idea that that's what God wanted us to do. But he did that. You guys not only graduated those 14 students, but with those 14 students, we planted two new churches. We planted the first church targeting university students next to the largest university in, in Costa Rica, the, the first AG school targeting university students. And we launched a church that was targeting primarily children to begin with. And two months ago, we, we celebrated the one-year anniversary of that church plant with over 215 kids that are ministered to on a weekly basis. You guys did that. That's what your missions dollars did in Costa Rica. And as I will share, and I'll, I'll share the, the vision of what God's asking us to at the end, but God has even greater things. That's just the beginning of what God wants to do in Costa Rica through this school. But God has something for you this morning. He wants to, you to understand that you are integral. You are an integral part to his plan to grow the kingdom in this world, God's kingdom. That you have a role in this community. But the enemy wants to convince you that you don't. See, the enemy doesn't have to defeat us. He doesn't have to destroy our soul. He just has to put us on the sidelines. He has to... Uh, make us spectators not participants and he's done that to so many of us because we've convinced ourselves we don't have a role I want to introduce you to some students this morning and we can probably see ourselves through these students the first student I want to introduce you to his name is Randy <clears throat> now when I said I had no idea what I was doing, I really didn't. 
we planned really hard. We, we made a, a great plan of what the Bible school was going to do. COVID, of course, changed everything. But before that, you know, I had this, this plan of how we were going to enroll students and, uh, you know, put them through this process and select the students that we wanted. And at the end of the day, all I had time to do was run around the country like crazy promoting the Bible school because we had to start in January of 2020 for me to have time to finish this pilot program before I had to come back on itineration. And one of the pastors, after I had shared what we were going to do at the Bible school, he called me up and said, I have a student for you. And I have a lot of respect for this pastor. He's also a missionary from Argentina. He says, Randy, um, something you need to know about Randy, he was a, he's an ex-con. I thought, great, Lord. That's not, that wasn't the student I had in mind when I was making my great plan for the Bible school. And you know, when, when you hear ex-con, you suddenly, get, you know, you get pictures of the dude with tattoos and, you know, the nose ring. And I don't know what you get in your mind, but that's what I had in my mind, a dangerous person. But I trusted this pastor. I said, you know what? I've thrown all of my plans of how I'm going to find students, and I'm going to just let the Lord decide who's, what the students are that he wanted to bring for this pilot program. I said, send them on. And Randy turned out to be one of the most respectful students that we had. Um, he's a mama's boy, but he was very respectful. And one talent that he has is he is an amazing salesman. Part of our plan for the school was we wanted to be self-sustaining. The first uh, Bible college closed because of finances. Students simply can't afford the tuition it costs to have a student on campus, and the, the country of Costa Rica can't afford to subsidize it. So it was always dependent on missionary dollars, and when the missionary left that was supporting it, it, it closed. And so, I realized that if I started a Bible school, it would suffer the same fate if I did the same thing. So our plan was to make, make it self-sustaining through opening up businesses where the students would work to earn their own tuition, room and board. And so one of the businesses that we opened was a bakery and a coffee shop. And of course, COVID messed all that up, right? We couldn't open our businesses for almost 18 months and almost till the end of the program. But when we were able to open it, we would send up Randy with this uh, cooler full of all of our baked goods into this small community. And he'd always return with an empty cooler, having sold everything or eaten it. I'm not sure. <laughs> but Randy not only sold everything, but every door that he went to, he was a representation of Jesus Christ. He asked people if you could pray for them. He witnessed to them. He shared the word of God with them. The community knew what we were as a Bible school because of Randy. He discovered that he had a gift for evangelism. But Randy had a past. There's several of you in this room that may have a past, like Randy, you, you did some stupid stuff and you got caught. 
Or even maybe you didn't get caught, but you still did the same stupid stuff. And we have a history. And the enemy wants to speak into our mind, you are disqualified because of your past. But just like Randy, I want you to understand this morning that you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and set free from your past. The past no longer has bearing on your future because of Jesus Christ has a purpose for you. The next student I want to introduce you to, is, her name is Maria. Maria is a very different situation. Maria grew up in a, in a broken home. She suffered abuse terribly as a child. And she carried that with her. Maria, we found her because she was studying in the university uh, a psychology degree. But she found the, a group like Chi Alpha on her college campus. And she became one of their leaders. But Maria had a call to missions on her life. But she had no avenue, no route to be able to pursue that until we got the opportunity to come and share about this new Bible school that we were opening. And Maria left her uh, program in the university with her full scholarship. She came and took a risk on us at the Bible school. And Maria was one of the most disciplined students I've ever seen in my life, in her own personal life, in her studies, most dependable. But Maria had a past that carried forward with her of shame, of sorrow. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ covers and redeems that shame and that sorrow. Because whether we are like Randy and by our own choices we have done stupid things or whether we're like Maria who by no choice of her own was broken and damaged and abused, the enemy wants to speak into your life and tell, me you, tell you that you're not worthy. You have no authority to speak the, the forgiveness and peace of Jesus Christ you have a past but I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ has redeemed that if you go put on this put up the scripture Jeremiah 29 11 this has a context of course this is God speaking to his people the Israelites that were in captivity that were taken away from the promise that God had given them. This is him sharing with Jeremiah what he has for his life. Jeremiah was one of them in captivity. But he says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. It doesn't matter what's in your past. Sure, consequences will follow us. We have to bear those. But the eternity, the, the ability to speak the hope and the peace and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not determined by our past. 
That's determined by the past of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. That has been determined. That price has been paid. Your redemption has been bought. And God has a plan for you. That I want you to stop listening to the rhetoric of the enemy in your head telling me, telling you that you are disqualified. Because Jesus Christ has a plan for you of a future and a hope. I want to introduce you to a couple more. This is another uh, example of me not knowing what I'm doing. We had a very strict non-dating policy in school. Because, you know, students on campus, it's just drama. I had no idea how much drama there would be. Putting, having 11, I thought, if you're called to the ministry, you are going to be some of the, the most well-behaved, best students. You're going to follow the rules. Yeah, no, none of that happened. It was just drama, constantly. And of course, you put men and women in close proximity, regardless of what the rules are. Let's just say it this way. Out of the 11 single individuals, 10 of them are now married. So we're going to have to go back to the drawing board, but that is very good for promotion of the next generation of Bible schools. I've got something to sell now. But Michael, Michael is just a guy from a little tiny community. He grew up in a normal family, normal Costa Rican family, strict Catholics. His mother was a, a, a staunch Catholic. But Michael got saved in the local Assembly of God church as a young man. Within the next four years, he won every single member of his family to the Lord, including his mother. And now they are the most passionate, fervent Christian family you can meet. So proud of their son. But Michael's average. You know, he's not, he's not pretty. He's not... He's average. He's like you and me. He didn't come from means. His family was poor. He didn't have anything to offer. The enemy wants us to believe that we are have nothing to offer that we are just average but Michael with the passion of what Jesus Christ did in his life was effective not only for his family but he won several individuals in his community before he came to Bible school as you can see he got married to Stephanie who is a pastor's daughter that, that came to the Bible school. And today, he is the pastor of the church in his community that he was saved in. That's Michael. Average Joe Michael believed that God would do something with his life. And he's one of the most amazing preachers I've ever heard. Another next student is Valeria. Valeria, wow, Valeria. She was a daddy's girl. Like, she, 
Maria grew up in a, a broken home. Valeria broke, you know, I don't think her feet ever touched the ground until she graduated from college. She was just pampered as a child. And it wasn't that she comes from a rich family. She just came from a very loving family. She graduated university with an administration degree, but Valeria had a passion and a calling to missions and to work with children. And when she heard about our Bible school, she was one of the first ones to sign up and say, I want to be a part. Because there wasn't an, a route for her to be trained and equipped for what she felt called to until you guys helped us start the Bible school. But I was so worried about Valeria because she did come from such a, a background that I thought that she was too prissy to do anything. <laughs> but she would do anything that we asked. She never said no. She was always willing and available. And when it came time to plant the church, instead of sending her to the city that would have made her comfortable, we knew that she had a passion for children and we sent her out into the countryside in this little nowhere town to where we had a farm that we were beginning to raise chickens and pigs and and we sent her out there. And I thought, oh, she's going to struggle because this camp had been sitting there for 10 years. The jungle had swallowed it. And we were, trying to, we were having to, through a lot of sweat and tears, take it back from the jungle. I didn't think she'd be able to hack it. But Valeria is the key reason why we have 215 kids now. Because of her passion, because of her administration skills, because of what she was able to do to launch that church and reach kids in that community. Today we have a thriving children's ministry. But Valeria could have done anything. Valeria had all the advantages. She already had a degree from university. She could have gone and gotten a job. And too many of us are the same way. Life fills our hands with other things. Before we know it, we have kids and a house and cars and all these payments. We have a career and a job that we're trying to advance in. And we become too busy, too obligated to do what the Lord has asked us to do. But Valeria was willing to put all that down. I remember when we finally, you know, when... My wife and I knew that we were called to missions from when we met. We met in Romania, working in missions. We knew that, we both knew that we had a call to missions. We didn't know when that would be or what that would look like. But it wasn't until we both had a good nursing jobs. We had the great house and the community in Clover. Our kids were in a great school district. Our daughter finally got her dog that she'd always asked for. We had a community where there were eight houses in this cul-de-sac and they all had girls our same age. And that's when the Lord said, now it's time to go. We could have said, our hands are too full, Lord. But we, we knew all along. Every decision that we made, we made with an open hand saying, 
when it's your time, Lord, will go. But the enemy wants to convince you that what you have is more important than what God is, is the plans that God has made for you. That you don't have the resources, you don't have the time, maybe you don't have the talent. The enemy wants to convince you that you are not qualified or that you are overqualified to be doing what the Lord has asked you to do. That you can't give this up. What will you, ha- what will you retire on? What will your family do? How will you provide for your, your kids? How will you send them to college? You think these aren't questions that went through my head? And now I've got two girls at a private university. Don't ask me how that's happened. The Lord has taken care of everything that we ever could imagine. Our lives are so much bigger now. Giving it all up than we ever would have experienced in our own, in our own strength and power. But what is, what is your situation? What are you holding on to? You put up the verse... Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. This is him speaking to Jeremiah. But this is to his people, the Israelites. And that is to us, his body. Each one of you, he knew who you were. He formed you in your mother's womb with a plan for your life of how he wanted to use you. The enemy wants to convince you that you're either too average, you don't have enough talent, you don't have enough resources, or you don't have enough time. You're already too obligated. You can't do that. Your, Your finances are already committed in other places. I can't participate. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us on the sidelines. He wants us sitting in the chairs and doing nothing outside. Where are you at that today? And part of part of the this Bible school adventure for us was discouragement. Because after two years of this, we were, we were exhausted. We were broken because we poured everything into it in the middle of COVID. That was crazy. And at the end, it, I looked and it's like 14 students. Now I can see that that's a victory. But at the time, I was thinking, is that all that we were able to produce with all of this effort? And one of my colleagues on the field said, what are you talking about? You guys were able to open a Bible school and graduate students in two years in the middle of COVID. That's a victory. I had to receive that because at the time I didn't feel that felt defeated but I want to show you our graduating class these are the students that you invested in (laughs) 
Pastor Michael on the end. Pastor Danny, where is he? Let me find him. He's over there. He's between the 20 there in the back. Both of those pastors have been pastoring for 15 years. Neither of them had graduated yet from Bible school. We made a point that they were going to be our graduates with our first with our first class. Pastor Danny is the pastor of that church of children. It's key. He's also going to be our leadership, the Bible school. Pastor Michael in the red shirt is our uh, the leader of of evangelism and church planning. But I thought that's just not enough. And I was reminded with this scripture in Zechariah. This scripture is talking about when the Israelites were returning from captivity back to Jerusalem. And they were tasked with the job of rebuilding Jerusalem and specifically the temple. And Zechariah was the leader of, of, it was tasked with the responsibility of building the temple. And the te- people were discouraged because when they came back, you know, people had moved into the land and they weren't glad that the Israelites were back. They weren't encouraging them to rebuild their temple. They were fighting against them. They were trying to drive them out. And they were discouraged because after a number of years, nothing had been built. And then Zechariah came and he placed the cornerstone. The cornerstone is is the stone that everything else will be built off of, the foundation. It's what makes the plumb line for the rest of the building. And God was speaking to the people about their discouragement. And he says, who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. God knows his plan. And what does he rejoice in? The willingness of us, his people, to participate and to start the something awesome, miraculous that he is going to do. We have to participate. We have to begin with small things. Everything in life is built on small things. Our bodies are millions of individual cells. All of them seem insignificant by themselves. But together, they create the greatest miracle of God's creation. And that is exactly what the body of Christ is. We are a gathering of small, insignificant things. And the enemy wants to convince as many of us as possible that we are insignificant and keep us on the sidelines. Because he knows what the body of Christ would look like if all of us did our small thing. And God rejoices in our small thing. When it comes time for us to, to, to be a part of the ministry of this church, 
you think, I, I can't, I can't do much. But if you do what you can do, along with everybody else, this church will be one of the most powerful instruments in your community. Because each one of you are functioning in the great thing that God wants you to be to do. We think that when we give our tithes or our offerings or we participate in missions that the little bit that we have to give is insignificant and we keep it in our pocket because we think it has will make no difference. But that's not God's economy. God's economy is that we offer the little that we have and he multiplies it. God's God's economy isn't addition, it's multiplication. I have no idea how financially we were able to accomplish finishing a, 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 the remodeling the church campus that we did our pilot program on, built a, a, a cafe, all these things that God did when we had no budget for it in the middle of a pandemic. It made no sense, but God accomplished it because that was his purpose. And we simply said, here we are, Lord. We're going to give everything that we have. And you guys did the same thing. The enemy wants you to think that you are insignificant. That you are small. That your contribution won't make a difference if you don't engage. And that's exactly what the enemy wants, is for you to be on the sideline. This community needs you. The world is huge. We have 2,000 missionaries, roughly, full-time missionaries in the Sims of God. How could that make any difference? 2,000 people, families spread around the, spread around the globe. Those little drops would not even seem to be able to make an impact. But that's not how God's economy works. God multiplies what we give Him. And He wants to multiply what you guys have sent us to Costa Rica for that is not David Cartwright doing something in Costa Rica. It's David Cartwright along with you raising up leaders that are going to be transformational leaders winning people to Christ in Costa Rica and all over the world for generations long after most of us are gone the investment in these students will continue to pay dividends will continue to multiply and when we get to heaven and God lets us see what our impact was we will not even have an imagination be able to imagine the impact that we've had and the people that are there because we simply said I will give my part I acknowledge that you have a plan and a future for me I acknowledge that you knew me before I was born and you have a purpose for me and I acknowledge that what I have to offer is not too small and that you rejoice in small beginnings See, we make it so complicated. You know, being a Christian and all the, the rules that we think 
But Jesus made it very simple. And I'm going to paraphrase this. In Matthew and Mark, we hear the story of the Pharisee that asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? We know it. If we went to Sunday school as the golden rule, he said, the most important is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus told us, the church, what being a Christian was all about. To love God with everything that we are, everything that we own, everything that we're able to do. And then to love the people around us with the same passion Jesus did. That's it. That's, that's as complicated as it is. We don't have to have, have a set of rules we are loving God and loving people, we are being the body of Christ. And then he gave us one more instruction. After he had paid the price to redeem us, he was just about to be taken up into heaven, he had his 11 disciples around him. He gave them one instruction. This was the, the, the baby church standing in front of him, and he said, Go therefore into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always, even until the end. He said, while you're here, love God, love people, and make disciples. That is what the church is supposed to be about. And we have to engage in that. And I want to challenge you this morning to ask yourself this morning, where do I stand in that? Do I understand that I've been redeemed and that I've been called and that he has a purpose for me and that he's asked me to love my neighbor and that he's asked me to make disciples? Am I engaging in that? Or am I convincing myself because of what the enemy is speaking into my ear that I'm disqualified that I don't have enough skills or talents or I have too much and that the little that I can give him is not enough. Are you listening to the enemy or are you listening to God saying, love God, love people, make disciples? That's my challenge to you this morning. We have to, we're going back, we're raising money. This, this, this service isn't about us. But I want you guys to know what you will be doing in Costa Rica the next four or five years. If you pull up the next picture, we have to build a campus now. We started a school. God said, that's great, now build a campus. Because the future is bigger than that one first class. I have disciples that I'm bringing up as children that need to be in this university in five or ten years build a campus. And I'm, gonna, I'm asking Pastor Brian to help us build this campus. And the only way that he build, helps us is because you guys invest. He doesn't have any money. I don't have any money. Maybe you don't have any money. But God is going to put it through your life. And you'll say, God, I will channel whatever resources you put in my life 
into what you're doing around the world and what you're doing in this community. He can only, Pastor can only do what you fund him to do. And I can only do in Costa Rica what you fund us to do. Your missionaries everywhere in South Carolina, around the world, are only doing what your generosity and the providence and the miraculous hand of God is allowing them to do. Thank you for being a part of that. But I want to challenge you. Open up the possibility that God wants you to do more. I looked at your thing, almost $115,000 last year you gave. That is a miracle in South Carolina. Not very many churches are doing that. Thank you. That's extremely generous. But maybe God's asking you to do more. Maybe he's asking you to double it. We support missions, my family. We're not asking you to do anything that we don't do. And we were challenged this year that we had to do more. We picked up two more missionaries as a family. Pastor wants to pick up more. He can't unless you guys say, yeah, I want this church to pick up another missionary. I'm going to double what I'm going to give. Pastor's going to come, but I want first, I want to pray. And I'm going to challenge you this morning to stand if you're willing to say, Lord, I understand that my past is redeemed. My future is assured. And my purpose has been determined by you. And I want to be a part of that. Let's pray. Father God, as we stand this morning, we're declaring to you that, yes, Lord, I am willing to be a part of this plan that you have created me for. Me for. This plan that you formed me in my mother's womb and a purpose that you have set before eternity started. I want to be a part of this kingdom that you are building, whatever that looks like. And I stand here today to say, I am not listening to the enemy any longer. I am not standing on the sidelines any longer. I'm going to be a part, the part that you have planned me to be in the kingdom of God. I bring everything that I have, everything that I want to be, my future, my hope is in you. We ask that you do something beautiful with it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <laughs> thank you, Chris. Um, thank you, David, for sharing your heart. Uh, what a challenge it is always. Um, and an encouragement. To, uh, to hear what the Lord is doing and that we're part of that aren't we you know um, we certainly do things around this community uh, but it's also nice to know that we can be part of what's going on in Costa Rica and other places in the in the world uh, I would ask Shane and Cindy anybody else that would be helping Johnny uh, anybody else in fact as you could could you bring me one as well as you're um, getting that ready and those that are watching here as well this morning, I hope that you've received an encouraging word. And for those that are maybe watching, they're part of faith and maybe you're not here this morning for whatever reason, uh, I want to encourage you from home and also here today, thank you, Johnny, uh, to receive a card here as these folks that are handing them out. These are 
faith promise cards. It's not, uh, I like the way it's worded. It's, it's, it's a commitment that we're making, but it's also saying, Lord, if you get it to me, I promise that it will go through me to the purposes of, of the gospel. Uh, it's so nice how Jesus just cuts away all the underbrush, doesn't he? And he simplifies things. He says, love, love God, love others, and share the gospel. I mean, that's just so, so simple. A five-year-old would get that. Uh, and so let's not complicate things. Let's stay focused on what the Lord would have us to do in our lives. These, these pledge cards here are simply saying, Lord, as, as I've been able to give, and maybe as you're looking at this card this morning, and they're handing them out. If you need to, if you need to receive one, just lift up your hand and... And the folks will hand it out to you. There's some folks that have their hands raised. Just keep it raised until, until they see you and they'll, they'll get you a card. And at home, uh, you don't necessarily need one of these cards to, to make the promise as well. So I, I'm speaking to you as well. But for all of us here today, this is simply saying, as I've been able to give, and I'll speak to a couple of different people here this morning. I've been able to give up to this point over the years, support missions here at Faith. And thank you for that. Thank you for your faithfulness in that. Because as we all pool our resources together, we can and are making a difference. You just saw it. And I love so much what we do, not only here with Costa Rica, with with Cartwrights, but also in Cuba. And there's other places where we're supporting students. We're actually, we at this church have been for years paying for four students' tuitions in Cuba. Full tuition. For them to go through their schooling so that they can get their ministry degree and licensure so that they can then establish churches in Cuba. Did you know that we're doing that? Here we've been doing that for years. So I like the exponential growth in that as we're raising up students who then minister to hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands or more over the course of their ministry life. Talk about exponential investment that we're able to do. And I love that sort of investment where we can know that these our, our students are being raised up for the gospel right and going out and planting churches in places where there is no gospel presentation so what a great investment to souls for the kingdom everything is connected to a soul everything every dollar we give is connected to a soul or investing into the kingdom if you've been giving thank you i want to ask you to trust the lord to increase your pledge, your promise. Lord, I've been giving X amount. I ask you to give me the faith to double that or to increase it in some ways. We've been challenged last night and this morning to double it. That's a big step for people, for anybody. But hey, again, if you write it down and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. If it didn't come my way, then, you know, I, 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 I won't be able to give it. But Lord, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, not me. So I'm going to trust you to get it through me. Get it to me so you can get it through me. If you haven't up to this point ever pledged anything because you haven't, for whatever reason, felt the, the, the need or the calling or the burden, man, let this year be the year. Pastor, you don't know my budget. You say, oh, you don't know I can afford I, I don't really have a good job. I, I've really kind of leveraged myself out financially. I, I get it. 
But just like what David said this morning, as they had all their stuff in Clover and they were doing well in their neighborhood and all the stuff they had with their kids and the cars and all of that, uh, he gave it all up. But he really didn't give anything up because the Lord has blessed him and them in so many different ways. And it's not car for car or dollar for dollar or anything like that. Let's not think that way. <clears throat> but the Bible does say that anything that you've given up for me, relationships, houses, land, whatever, won't I give it back to you, not only here on this life, but in, in heaven as well? Press down, shaking together, running over all sorts of ways, he's going to give it back to us in our lives. And Kelly and I are testimonies, testimony to that as well. And I know that many of you can say amen to that. You just can't outgive God. So I want to just encourage you this morning because this helps us to, in a lot of ways, set our budget for the missions uh, opportunities that we're able to do. I'll tell you this too, though. 12 years ago, over 12 years ago when we got here to start pastoring, we made a commitment almost right away with those that were that we already were supporting. And I think there were about 12 families that we were supporting, maybe 10 to 12 families when we first got here. And in fact, we weren't supporting them. We were saying we were, but we weren't able to support them. There was just no money to do it. So they just weren't being supported. So one of the first things we did was we made that right. We said, Lord, uh, we don't have it, but we made the commitment. So we're gonna write the check. And we never look back from that moment. We've never done without here. And in fact, God has increased our ability to give more to the point now where we're giving 37 missionary entities, whether they're individuals or what have you. And so the Lord has seen that he can get it through us. And so he's getting it to us. And so I encourage you to step out in that way. And whether you give or not, it's been you and the Lord. We're going to continue to support the 37 missionaries. We're going to continue to support them more. And we're going to actually support more missionaries as the Lord uh, brings them our way. Whether you want to be part of that blessing or not is your call. I encourage you to do it. Step in and let's sow into the kingdom. Let's support David Cartwright and his family and all the rest of the missionaries that we're partnering with. It's good soil. It's a worthy dollar that you invest. If you've never given before, start with a $5 a month pledge. Start with something. Do something. And get into that habit. Get into that, that flow. The Lord is burning your heart even just a little bit. Then pledge something. And then trust the Lord to provide it through you. Alright? So I just want to encourage you to fill this out. There's a little tab here that you can perforate an area here that you can uh, separate out from this pledge card. And I want you to write it on that other part there, the part that you're going to keep. It's a great Bible bookkeeper, you know, little place note thing that you can put it somewhere where you can be reminded of it all the time. And then fill out the larger portion and when you do, uh, I'm going to ask you to do that right now, in fact, as I'm speaking. And sign it. A weekly or a monthly faith promise. It's new or renewed. And then as you do, I, I, I would ask you to, in a, in a moment or two, stand up. And uh, we're going to uh, all pray together that the Lord will provide for us.
But I want to encourage you. It's a faith promise. And that's the name of our church is faith. And we step out in faith. So let's be faith-filled people that say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to get it to me so you can get it through me. Whatever that looks like. Go ahead and fill that out now. I'll let you guys take a few moments. And I'm going to do the same thing while you're, uh, while you're doing it. I'm going to fill that out. That way I know how long it's going to take, right? I don't write that fast. Please stand, and if you fill out a uh, as you fill out a card or not, just everybody, please stand. But if you did fill out a card and you're trusting the Lord, I'd like to ask you if you would come up here with me. Let's pray together uh, for this. And if you fill out a card, you and your spouse, if you're here by yourself, that's fine. However you did it, but let's just um, hold these cards up to the Lord today, and let's trust Him that He's going to provide for us. And take these dollars that we're giving and multiply them to countless countless souls for the kingdom thank you for your faithfulness and stepping out in faith and trusting the lord with this if you will let's just pray together father god as we hold these cards we give them to you there's simply a way of saying lord if you'll get it to us we promise that you'll that, that, we'll, that you'll that we'll let you get it through us and as we pull our resources together lord god we claim souls for your kingdom countless souls lord jesus that as we Continue to support these missionaries, those that you've burdened and called to these different missions fields throughout the world, here in our community and all the way across the, all across the globe. Father God, that you take these dollars and convert them to souls for your kingdom. Convert them, Lord Jesus, to ministry that goes beyond what we can even imagine. Lord Jesus, you're a great investor of dollars. So Lord, as these dollars are being invested, we know that it's going to go into good soil prime soil, Lord Jesus, that many, many lives will be changed, that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will go from this place into the four corners of the world, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Fathers, we hold these pledge cards. We're trusting you to get it to us, and we thank you, Jesus, that as we do, that many lives are going to be changed for your glory. We can't wait to get to heaven to hear what these dollars are going to represent as far as expanding your kingdom. We love you and we thank you that you're our provider, our Jehovah Jireh. And as we step out in faith and we sacrifice in different ways, Lord Jesus, and many of us increasing our pledges this year, God, we thank you that it's going to be more than sufficient to take care of not only the ones that we support, but those that you bring our way that we can partner together with so that we'll never look back. We'll always look forward to the things that you have in store as we continue to partner together in the 
in the ministry of your kingdom of souls. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.